2: and welcome back to vancouver real estate podcast i'm your host adam scalina and i'm your other host Matt Scalina. matt today we've got terry o'reilly do you believe
1: he under the influence i can't believe
2: i can't he believe he even it. responded let alone came we on. put a public plea on last uh he week. Must, i think he heard it i don't think he heard it and, and we asked everybody you know if anyone knew terry o reach out to him we're we're pretty tight with him now we call him terry o Terry O. I actually call him Terry. I dropped the O. <laughs> you still call him Terry O. Formalities. Uh, no, but the thing is, is we've been huge Terry O'Reilly fans for
1: years. Yeah, under the, the influence, I think we've said on the show before, is one of the best radio shows out there, no question. And one of the
2: best podcasts. His books are amazing. Uh, his ideas are the best. His anecdotes are the best. I've been telling his stories from under the influence as my own. For years, I know I've heard you. <laughs> I know, I know. I, it's it's a great it, if you ever want great marketing party stories. Yeah, you did like a forty five minute advertising on porn sites at the last party we were at. <laughs> yeah, I was exactly. like, this is this is straight from under the influence. That, to be fair, that was my from my own field of research. <laughs> um, but, but but I, I have used Terry stuff before. Um, anyways, Matt, we've got a great episode today yeah it's going to be fascinating and uh (laughs) terry terry sounds amazing uh he's got some great ideas he's got some great book suggestions yeah yeah uh, no it's
1: uh it's awesome i mean we kind of sent him a couple questions and we were just off the top asking him stuff and that guy it's like
2: there's no ums there's no ahs he's definitely does not share the same genetics as a scalina (laughs) no
1: kidding Uh, kidding. that's
2: for sure uh so matt just quickly before we get to our interview with terry what's new with you uh not much new with me
1: i went uh i went to a concert for the first time in about at least a year last night it was the Ryan Adams concert at the at the Orpheum theater wow. yeah wow summer of
2: 69 <laughs> <laughs> no no ryan right ryan ryan, ryan adams. adams yeah get it alt get its country alt
1: country superstar ryan adams right right uh, right, right yeah right. yeah i mean it was pretty good i've seen him before i think he actually sounded better this time but the one thing that struck me i guess the orpheum you know you have you have uh, it felt like the ultimate kind of middle-aged rock concert. You know, oh. the sign seating. Especially because he's got to be middle-aged now. Oh, yeah, I know it's- his jeans are like painted on yeah i was thinking he's 40 plus he, he looked uncomfortable uh <laughs> like he, it was it was he looked awkward up there really uh yeah i hope he doesn't uh, listen to the vancouver real estate podcast yeah, i'm sure he, he doesn't gets upset i think you're with, safe here <laughs> he, he gets upset with <laughs> criticism but uh no he sounded great but he the funny part was he kept on yelling hey vancouver like let's party yeah, right, you know right, right, right. trying to get people amped up and it's like it's hard to a get amped up when you're sitting in a seat listening uh
2: listening to alt country yeah
1: and uh and every second songs yeah like a slow ballad uh yeah. but also like every time somebody jumped up and danced the, the ushers would come over and yeah. be like Excuse me, miss, back back to your seat yeah so it's was, it was really kind of at the end of the night it was more depressing than anything But right. uh, yeah, it was a good time good right
2: time anything exciting with
1: you come on something something a little
2: more positive i am uh i don't really have anything too new matt i'm just so amped up about the uh this episode with terry o'reilly i'm incredibly excited and uh he's got a new book that i'm excited about and i i don't know this this is the summer of terry o for me (laughs) well then hey without further ado here's our interview with terry o'reilly Okay, so we're here with Terry O'Reilly, career adman, marketing guru, and host of the CBC's Under the Influence. How are you doing, Terry? Hey, Terry. I'm great. I'm th-
1: thanks for having me. Hey, well, thanks for coming on. I think uh, our audience is really going to enjoy this.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, Terry, maybe can you, can you start by telling us just a little bit about yourself?
0: Well, um, I'm a career ad man, as you said in your introduction. So I've been in the advertising business right out of university. I was a copywriter for 10 years in major advertising agencies in Toronto. And then I started or co-founded a radio and television production company in 1990. So our biggest clients were advertising agencies. So when they wrote radio or television scripts, uh, we would produce the radio and we would produce all the sound and music and voiceover direction for their television commercials. So that was about 25 years of my career. So first 10 years as a writer, next 25 years basically as a commercial director. And our company had a, it was interesting because we had a uh, writing department, which is pretty unusual for production companies. So that meant that we created advertising as well. And most of that work was done for small, feisty entrepreneurs. And I have to say that our best work, really, over those 25 years, I have to say, was usually for those small entrepreneurs. We would win a lot of awards for that work, and that would attract the big agency work. we attract all the big brands to us. So I always say that the small companies we did work with, locomotive, that pulled our train.
1: Are you a big fan of Mad Men?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I love that show because just the, the writing of it was so great. But right. also, uh, and the drama and everything about the characters was great. But it was all, here's the thing, it was the advertising was accurate. In other words, somebody on Matthew Weiner's staff had spent time in an advertising agency. And I say that because most movies and TV shows I see that have an advertising agency, subplot or plot are, are so unreal that I just roll my eyes. But that show was actually accurate. The, the philandering and the drinking was probably era-specific, but the advertising was actually true to reality.
2: Right. Oh. So, Terry, a lot of our listeners, and Matt and I, of course, are, are huge fans of Under the Influence. How did Under the Influence and The Age of Persuasion come to exist
0: well, um, for many years, I would hold an annual creative radio seminar day. So I would rent a big theater in downtown Toronto somewhere, and I would invite 200 young copywriters from advertising agencies across the country, and I would feed them breakfast and lunch and then have an open bar at the end of the day. But I would stand on that, on that stage and up for seven hours and teach them how to generate creative radio. So I would talk about writing and script structure and 30 seconds versus 60 seconds and humor versus drama and how to cast, how to use sound effects, studio protocol, all of that stuff. And one day I was out to lunch with three friends of mine who were in the radio business and one of them said to me, hey Terry, you know that uh, creative radio seminar you do every year? And I said, yeah. He said, that would make a great radio series. And I said, who would ever run that? (laughs) And he said, uh, CBC. And I said, the advertising free CBC is yeah, going to run okay. a show on advertising. <laughs> and he said, I think they'd run that one. And we had a laugh and we had a couple more beers in the sunshine. And I went home and then I couldn't get it out of my mind. And Mike Tennant was also at that lunch and he called me up a couple days later and he said, I can't get that notion out of my mind that maybe that's you know, CBC might buy that show. Do you want to go pitch it to CBC? And I said, Yeah, let's try it. What the hell? So we really, you know, we had a, uh, Mike had a small connection to the CBC. We got a meeting. And we pitched the show very simply as uh, we basically said in the nutshell that advertising is like architecture. It's everywhere in your life. And most people hate it. They think it's annoying and intrusive and useless. But we said, uh, in reality, it's maybe one of the most fascinating businesses in the world because it's the study of human nature. And nobody studies the human condition more than the advertising business. So what we want to do is create a show that will give people a backstage pass to the closed world of high-stakes advertising. And the CBC uh, said, we'll take it. And then Mike and I had (laughs) to very quickly figure out how to to mount a national (laughs) radio show. So that's how that came about. And
1: how long have you been doing under the influence? Well,
0: next week is the end of my 12th season. That's incredible. Oh. Yeah, I'm 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 a veteran at CBC. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> so so it
1: sounds like you know you've had a a long career and 12 years doing under the influence. How has the world of of marketing evolved over your career?
0: Well, you know when we started the show in 2005, there was no. I mean, uh, I think Facebook was about a year old. YouTube was just starting. There was no social media. Right. I mean, imagine that in the arc of our twelve years, social media has appeared, and iPhones have appeared, smartphones have appeared, because the smartphone just turned ten years old, I think, this year. So you can only imagine how much has changed. And that was one of the reasons, by the way, that I changed the show's name and the focus of it from the Age of Persuasion to Under the Influence. That was one of the reasons because prior to social media, it was really about you know big time persuasion, and then with the emergence of the internet and social media, it really became a game of influence, of trying to influence opinion and influence behavior more than ever before. And the fact that marketing became a two-way street. So prior to the internet, you know, I would create television ads that I would send out, you know, that you'd watch on television or see on radio or billboards, but there was no, you couldn't really talk back to me, Mm -hmm. to to my clients, unless you wrote a letter. Now, you could, you could send a tweet to the CEO of, you know, pick a company, uh, of Molson, and there's a good chance he'll see it because you'll, you'll tag him in it, right? So now companies have to be very transparent more than ever. And I think, too, when, when customers have a problem with a company and they tweet out a, a complaint, we all get a front row seat to see how that company responds to that which is also a brand new world for advertisers.
2: So Terry, amongst these changes, are the fundamentals of effective marketing still in place or have you seen those change as well?
0: No, I think, I think they are in place. And the book I wrote this year, which is for small to medium businesses, by the way, is really a book of, funda- of fundamentals because I'm a fundamentals guy. Because I think that when marketing campaigns go wrong, they go wrong really early they go wrong in the planning stages of advertising and marketing. So this my book is really about how to how to create a brand using the smart fundamentals of advertising that and I, and I really tried to bring high-level advertising thinking to clients who wouldn't have access to it, who, who don't have a, a big advertising agency on speed dial. So I tried to bring that knowledge and that that insight to small to medium advertisers. So the difference maybe is that there's there's a lot more channels at an advertiser's disposal now with social media. You've got Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram and, and all sorts of different channels. And you have to tailor your message to each channel, which is not so so different from the old days of traditional media. You mean a radio ad is very different from a TV ad, which is very different from a billboard. So the same thing applies through media channels. But I've got this theory I talk about also in the book called my shish kebab theory, which is, you know, a shish kebab's all, like a, all these different treats, right? It's a piece of beef, a piece of chicken, a green pepper, a tomato, and a mushroom, and and it's they're all on a skewer. I say that great marketing is you've got you know your Facebook page, you've got a Twitter account, you've got an Instagram account, you're using Pinterest, you're 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 you know creating messages specifically for those channels, but. They're all skewered with a consistent tone of voice and a consistent strategy. So it all feels like it's coming from the same place. And I think that's where small marketers go wrong most often is they everything feels like a one-off. It doesn't feel connected. So I think with the amount of channels that you're disposing today, my shish kebab theory is more important than ever.
1: So it sounds like that's a really interesting point. And Adam and I, as we mentioned, are realtors. So I think everybody in our industry is working in advertising without a large ad company on speed dial. So this book sounds yeah. like it's it's perfect for for us and our colleagues.
0: Well, it it really is written to help. And when I say small companies, it could be a a company of one person because so many people work from home now because digital technology has allowed that. Or it could be a company of two hundred people. It's still. You know, there's companies with eighty thousand employees, so a two hundred person company in a certain category could actually be deemed small, right? Mm-hmm. So this this book is really let me back up. It's not about building a company. My book is how do you build a brand? Because that's a healthy company. That's a company that's going to achieve amazing things if you actually built the brand. Because I'm a big believer in the fact that amateur marketers think marketing is all about selling. And the pros know it's all about differentiating your company. So this book is all about how do you differentiate your company? How do you make your company stand out from the pack? How do you cut through the clutter when you've got lots of competitors? Some more established than you, some with deeper pockets than you. How do you beat them at their game? How do you outsmart them and not out, without having to outspend them?
2: Fascinating. So. In speaking, kind of about the fundamentals, do you have any books that you, outside of your own book, that you yeah, might it sounds to, like yours is a go-to? Yeah, though. <laughs> exactly. But do you have any yeah. that, that like a, a favor, What you consider kind of the the Bible of of marketing?
0: Well, there's so many of them, and I have. I got to have. I probably have one of the biggest libraries of marketing books as I collect them. But I'll give you two really great ones that I, I really highly recommend. One is called "Start with Why." And it's written by a man named Simon Sinek. Don't read anything into his last name. (laughs) It's about finding your purpose because as he so rightfully, and he articulates, I've said this, we we sing from the same songbook, we preach the same gospel, but he has this lovely way of, an interesting way of articulating it. He believes, as I do, that why you're in business matters more than where you're in business or how you do business. People want to know why you're in the business. Because they're attracted to that purpose. In other words, you know, um, Apple Computers isn't in the computer business. They're in this, the, the, the empowerment business. They took computing technology that was once hoarded by IBM and gave it to individuals. That was, that was why they were in business. That's such a powerful platform that Apple's one of the most valuable companies in the world today. There are cheaper computers, probably faster computers, but nobody lines up around the block the day before for a new Dell computer. It's Apple because Apple's purpose, their why, is so powerful. Every company has a why. Like if, if you have started a business, if you're an entrepreneur, and I've been an entrepreneur since I was 29, if you started a business, there was a reason you started that business. You were passionate about something. That passion is what differentiates you from your competitors. And that's the thing you should always be celebrating in your marketing. My company, I started the company I could not find. So when I was a writer in advertising, at an advertising agency, I would write a radio script or a television commercial. The next step would be to hire a production company to produce it. And I would hire directors in New York and Los Angeles and Chicago and Minneapolis and Vancouver. And I always ended up having the same experience, I would end up having to fight to save my work from the director right? because they would want to change the script or throw out the marketing and only concentrate on the humor or whatever, but I would be a fight to save the idea. So Pirate, my company, really, I started it because I knew other writers were feeling the same way. So that was my passion, to create a production company that produced commercials and protected the idea. And that was my why. And that made us... uh, Almost immediately, we were overwhelmed with business. Not that we were so good, although I do think we were because we were passionate, but the reason we were inundated with business was because our why was so compelling to other writers.
1: So I'm just thinking, like you're talking about fighting to save the idea, figure out your why you're in business, and presumably 30 years ago, there was fewer companies where ideas would become more homogenized. Do you think right now, is it a more exciting time for advertising generally, just because Guys like us can have a podcast and, and just buy a couple mics and, and go to it?
0: No, exactly. For that very reason it's the most exciting time. I mean you you literally for the first time in marketing history, which didn't exist at all in the twentieth century by the way, only a twenty first century marketing model, you can have you can generate a huge mm-hmm. audience and you can broadcast yourself without having to, to pay traditional media dollars. Mm-hmm. Now that that's a huge thing. Right. Now, sometimes there will be a time where you'll, where you'll want to spend media dollars, like maybe you want to do billboards or you want to take out print ads, especially in real estate, but there's a, but you know half of your marketing could be dollar-free. It just takes time and thinking and really great strategy. But the channels, for the first time in history, are there for you. The other book I want to recommend, there was two, by the way, just let me get it out before I forget. It. It's called Predatory Thinking by Dave Trott. He's a, a very famous creative director out of England, very famous in my industry. But his book is really interesting. It's about, it's all these little nuggets, little marketing nuggets. It's a very quick read, but it's so inspiring. He just, tell, he'll, he'll tell a story that he'll pluck the insight out of it. And it's, it, it, every single one of those little stories is something you'll always remember. And it's just a smart, smart marketing book.
2: Great. So, Terry, in your most recent season of Under the Influence, you had an episode on real estate called Selling the Dream. Yep. Uh, so what are some of the big takeaways yeah, from, that was, from this episode? That was it such was such an interesting episode to listen to, yeah.
0: Well, I, I've always wanted to do a show on real estate advertising because I think it's very unique and it's very unto itself. It, it shares a lot of things in common with other categories, but then there's some very unique aspects of it. So I wanted to explore that. I wanted to explore... You know why realtors feel so compelled to use their faces all the time in marketing, <laughs> where so many, so many service, like I'm in the service business, but I wouldn't use my face in in my marketing. And why? So why why is that so important in the real estate? Uh, our business? tagline
1: like, is two Guys with Faces for Radio." So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, I know where of you speak. <laughs> um, well, you know, I wanted to explore that, and I, I and also I think it's interesting that. You're selling one of the biggest purchases that anyone will ever make in their life. And that's a pretty unique position in marketing, where most other marketers are selling, you know, everyday items, tires, computers, clothing, shoes. I mean, you pick it, you know, a car is expensive, but it's not like a house. And on top of that, I think you're selling... You're not selling a house, you're selling a home, you're selling a neighborhood, you're selling the next ten years or fifteen years of someone's life. So there's an incredible product that's being the transaction is pretty incredible in real estate. So I wanted to explore that too. And then I wanted to explore what some interesting realtors are doing out there in the world. Like is is there not because most I my criticism of your industry is so much of it looks the same. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the ad, the real estate ads all look the same. The billboards all look the same. Uh, everything has the sameness to it. And that's not good marketing. I don't care what category you're in. That's not good marketing. And I even think that, you know, there's two levels of real estate marketing. There's the real estate marketing of the company. Let's say it's REMAX or it's Sotheby's or whatever company it is. There's the house marketing. And then there's the agent marketing or the realtor marketing. Does, you know, which there's two levels of it. I, I think realtors do a good job of marking themselves. I think the, the bigger umbrella companies don't do a good job of marking themselves. Like, I, I really can't, you know, besides REMAX Balloon, which I mentioned in that episode. Yeah, that was a great and, story. Yeah, there isn't too many real estate companies that have carved out a really unique brand that people can point to or, you know, what's the difference between Royal LePage and REMAX? You know, quickly, can you answer that? <laughs> Not you, but <laughs> someone out there, right? So uh, I kind of wonder out loud why, why real estate companies don't do a better job because I think it helps their, their realtors. I think it helps their agents if they walk in and present a card or present their services and they're from a company that, you know, regular people are really familiar with or really intrigued by or, or the brand is so powerful that they want to do business with that company and therefore that agent. So I find that that's an odd aspect of real of real estate marketing.
1: And why, you know, it's funny. We are the only industry, I think, where uh, everyone feels compelled to plaster their faces on the back of a bus. Yeah. Um, you know, we sell homes, and yet our faces are so prominent on the advertising. Can you speak a little bit to to that?
0: Uh, why why the your industry uses faces so much?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, why it's so personality driven or or sort of, it seems egotistical, but uh, it, at least in my memory of your show, you had kind of, there was a, there was sort of a, a history. Uh, yeah, about-
0: well, the history was revealing to me and I think it really answers that question uh, in an interesting way. So in, back in the day, when, when, when real estate as an as a industry was just getting going, there was a lot of fraud going on. There were a lot of people that presented themselves as realtors, and, and that's where the, you know selling swampland in Florida came from, that, that whole term. People were coming from the country and moving to the city. So there was you know, the Industrial Revolution was drawing people away from country life into the cities to, to actually, instead of being self-sufficient, they were getting jobs and working for somebody else. They needed places to stay. They needed to buy homes. So there was a period in time where people would get off a train in a big city, be met immediately by a realtor who would have some kind of desk set up and sell them some property, and then the poor people would pay their money and then go to the property, and the property didn't exist. So there was a lot of that in the early days. So the honest realtors at that time were. Uh, wanted to put a stop to that. So they started to create an industry with an association with ethics and guidelines and rules. Because it was a way to identify the honest real estate brokers and identify the dishonest ones at the same time. A big part of that was to have an office, to have an actual place of business, because the dishonest brokers never had an office. They never wanted to be tracked. So by having an office, it showed people instantly that you had integrity and that you were there to stay and that you had roots in the community. The next beat of that was to show their face in advertising, because what, again, what would a dishonest realtor would never do would be to print their face on something. Because again, they're trackable and they'd be held accountable and they could be searchable. So honest brokers started using their face because what's more honest than showing your face in a transaction? So that to me, when I trace that back, I think that really was the start of this deeply embedded belief in the real estate business that showing one's face is really, a, a, and it's a deeply, it, it, it happened so long ago that no one talks about it anymore. Yeah, nobody has an idea why, right? right? Yeah, but I think it, it's a deeply held belief that honesty equals face
1: time. Do, do you think, so, you know, we do that, we put our faces on our cards without thinking about it, do you think that's actually still an effective marketing strategy? Or is it just kind of something everyone does? I
0: think. Everyone does at this stage of the game. It's kind of a funny thing because you know if I'm driving down the street and I see a realtor's face and it says, you know do business with me, I'm the number one person or I'm you know I'll work hard for you, I don't know you. You're asking me to judge you to judge you before I get to know you so it's, in this day and age I find it's a bit it's a bit odd to just put a, a face out there as the, as the first step. So I think it's a, in this day and age, in, in 2017, I think it's a, it's a bit of an odd way to market. Now, it's the accepted way to market. It doesn't, you know, it's what most people do. But I again, I'm a guy that, that believes in zigging when everyone else zags. If everybody's doing it, I say, why is that? Is there a more interesting way? Is there a way to break that rule creatively?
2: So so Terry, actually, in, in keeping with that, when everybody zigs, you zag, is there a, a form of marketing right now or a company that you think is doing something really unique that you can share with us?
0: I think, well, let's look at WestJet for a second. So there's a, a company in a very competitive category. And they're the small, one of the small guys, although those are getting bigger, but next to Air Canada, they're one of the smaller uh, uh, airlines. But they've always done interesting marketing, like their Christmas videos, which I'm sure you've seen, mm-hmm. are fantastic. And they get millions and millions and millions of views. Air Canada tried that and really failed at it. <laughs> Once they saw it working for WestJet, they also tried it. And they just weren't as good at it as WestJet was. WestJet was doing something totally unorthodox in that category, which was you know, creating these videos, starring their employees, doing these Herculean things just to make their their passengers' day or, you know, going all above and beyond the call at Christmas. Just everything about it just spoke so well about that airline. And it's so unusual in the airline category to see that kind of marketing. Mm-hmm. Usually it's just vacations and, you know, uh, tourist shops and, and ticket prices. And, and WestJet didn't do that. They they really sold the heart of their company, which is, you know, one of the keys of marketing is, is to add an emotional element to your marketing. Don't just be price an item.
2: Yeah, United's viral videos didn't do
0: as well. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that, you know, that, that shows you just how much trouble the airline industry is in, a, 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 you know, because then you saw all sorts of stories like that where people were just hor- horribly treated by airlines. So... I think, you know, that makes WestJet's work even stand out more, I think.
1: Right, and also speaks to the kind of uh, interactive nature of social media and and how it can destroy companies, basically. Right, or make companies.
0: No, that's right. Well, WestJet's video was really a a social media, uh, you know, success story. And United Airlines was a social media disaster story.
2: Right. Right. Well, Terry, we, I know I know you don't have uh we don't have a ton of time with you, but we really appreciate it. Can you can you finally just share uh, do you spend any time in Vancouver? Do you have a favorite thing to do when you're here?
0: You know what? I'm in Vancouver every year, usually to do a talk. Uh I was there on my book tour. I was uh, in Victoria, Vancouver, and Salt Spring by the way out there. Um I'm usually in and out. Like I I'm, I'm usually in the night before I do my talk and then I'm out that day. So I never get to spend any real quality time in Vancouver. But I love Vancouver and my first time there is a funny story. It was in the eighties. I was being sent out there to interview for a creative director position at an agency in Vancouver and I'd never been to Vancouver before at that time. And someone said to me, Uh, I hope it's overcast when you land and I said, Why is that? He said, Because I, I hope you can be objective. And that's such a funny thing because it's so beautiful in Vancouver. He knew that you could just be seduced by the beauty of the city. So he was hoping it was overcast so I could be objective about evaluating the job, which is such a funny line that I've always remembered because Vancouver is so beautiful. It, it
1: Just as an aside before we let you go, Terry, being in advertising, we watched Mad Men. I, w- I watched it from the very beginning and I uh, loved that show. And one of the things I always thought was, It seemed like such an exciting, creative environment. Like a lot of pressure, but a lot of energy and a lot of creativity. You were a copywriter. uh, You owned a a company. Was it always like the best and the brightest there?
0: Is that you know what it was? It was. I loved my career. I you know I I was I did that actively for almost thirty five years, and it was exactly that. It was exciting. It was interesting every day. I was, you know, you get a new assignment every other day. You're dealing with smart people and smart marketers and smart business owners. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah,
1: there's, no there's, kidding. The
0: pressure-filled industry because the deadlines are crippling. It eats a big part of your life up because you work a lot of weekends and late nights. But that aside, it is an absolutely exciting industry. Just as Madman kind of touched on that. You know, the thrill of pitching accounts or, or creating a piece of work that, that's just, you know, out of the park, home run, all of that is just totally exciting.
2: Excellent. So maybe we'll leave it there, Terry. Um, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and uh, how can they get your new book?
0: The book is in bookstores everywhere and online, uh, Amazon and chapters and indigo, of course. Um, people can follow me on Twitter. I'm a big Twitter guy. So, at Terry O Influence. And uh our, if you want to see more about our radio show, the website for that is cbc.ca slash under the influence. And what I, I really want people to know, which I you know, only some do, is that for every show we broadcast, we put the entire transcript on our website and all the photos, all the videos and all the ads. So it's a completely—you can even follow along with us on air. If you park in front of your computer just before my show airs, you—you you can follow along the script with me, but see everything.
1: I haven't done that. We—we we spend a lot of Saturdays in our car, unfortunately. But <laughs> <laughs> <right>. I know
0: <laughs> that weekends are big for realtors for sure. But anyway, just this—I just, mean, you could go back to it after. But there's a there's a—it's a very rich uh, experience online. Excellent. On the the show.
2: Perfect. Well, hey, thanks again for your time, Terry, and have a, have thanks, a great thanks day. Thanks for
0: inviting me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, fascinating
2: conversation. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care.
1: So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Terry O'Reilly, career ad man, marketing
2: guru, radio host, best-selling author. Yeah. Incredible guy. Incredible guy. Uh, So excited to have him on the program definitely going to take those two book recommendations and uh, straight to Amazon no doubt. Prime. No doubt. Yeah, if it comes from Terry O'Reilly, it's gold. Yeah, for sure. So Matt, what else do we have on the go here? We've got the ratings drive. We're yeah, still the doing ratings drive. Well,
1: what are we at? 113? I think 114. 114. 114. So We've got
2: six spots available for the, the for big the prize. Drive. The yeah. big prize. So, yeah, so go so. and give us a rating. It's the nicest compliment you can do other than reaching out. We've had yeah. a ton of people reaching out lately. Yeah,
1: I feel like I, I'm in
2: discussion with
1: multiple podcast listeners at, at once at all times. And it's super, I mean, hey, they're the most engaged people in the
2: city in real estate. So it's awesome talking to, to Absolutely. you guys listening. Absolutely. So um, also check out our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And if you want, you can sign up for private client services, which that's right. it's realtor level information. So you get sold prices, you get listing updates, usually about 36 to 72 hours before public MLS. Yeah. And you also get days on market. It's, it's the best free, no obligation search tool out there So yeah. sign go up to, for that go to vancouver real slash pcs and we've had hundreds of people sign up for that so really i uh, i really appreciate that and we really we, we want to make sure that you have the best resources absolutely and you can also get in touch with us if you want us to set it up 778
1: 778- this is my number, by the way, seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four 847
2: 2854 or Matt at Vancouver Real Estate Or you can try me at seven seven eight eight six six four five seven four 866 4574 or Adam at Vancouver Real Estate And you can also try Brady D. Braden. Braden at Vancouver Real dot com. Or if you don't like Braden, info. <laughs> at Vancouver Real Estate <laughs> There's Podcast a Y in there. It's, dot com. it's complicated. <laughs> what? There is a Braden. Yeah, you are Braden with a with a Y. Yeah, it's a, yeah otherwise it's, it's... it's Broaden. Who likes Broaden? Nobody likes Broadens. <laughs> I Broaden for lunch. <laughs> Sorry to all the Broadens out there. <laughs> all right, so there you have it, guys. Uh, hope
1: you have a good week. We're heading into Canada Day here, so happy Canada Day and enjoy yeah. the
0: long
2: weekend. One fiftieth.
0: Woo. Woo! 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 Take care. <laughs>
2: Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419.
1: We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy